Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. I'm joined today by Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is the founder of this show. She's a spiritual teacher, writer, poet, and the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Yogacharya O'Brien teaches nationally and internationally and has received several community service awards, including the Mahatma Gandhi Award for the promotion of religious pluralism. Yogacharya's latest uh, award-winning bestseller is called The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. Her newest book is Path of Wonder, A Meditator's Guide to Advent, and it was just released. Welcome to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted to be able to talk with you today and discuss this Advent season and the opportunities it presents for us and also your new book, Path of Wonder, A Meditator's Guide to Advent. Thanks so much, Dr. Trujillo. It's a joy to be back on the Yoga Hour and to have this opportunity to um, share about the inspiration uh, behind this book of a spiritual practice uh, during the winter season connected to the mystical strand of the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's wonderful that we have this opportunity. Before we turn to that dialogue about Advent, let's begin with, as we always like to do, begin with the <laughs> yoga moment, a moment of present moment awareness of being right here, right now. So let's begin by paying attention to our body, <clears throat> just feeling our body, whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting or standing, walking, and just feeling our body in space. And in particular, paying attention to those surfaces that are supporting our weight. What part of our weight is supported in the chair if we're sitting? How do our feet hit the ground if we're walking or standing? And now let's turn our attention to the breath. Just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath, the next inhale. and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling how that air is now warm as it passes out. Continuing to focus on the breath, continuing to just notice, not trying to alter the natural flow of breathing but just noticing. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate. 
a teaching from Paramahansa Yogananda from his book, Journey to Self-Realization. He wrote, May Christ have a second coming within your own consciousness. That is my humble prayer for you today. And I am giving this special blessing to you all, that if you will meditate deeply during the Christmas period, you will feel the presence of Christ. The perception of Christ in your hearts is the greatest gift I can give to you. But you must have open hands to receive it. You must meditate. At this time, the angels in the ether celebrate Christmas, an infinite light shone on the earth on that first Christmas day, and each year at this holy time, the ether is filled with that light. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. It's auspicious to be able to speak with you this first week of Christmas, of uh, Advent rather. This is December 1st, 2022. And um, Advent always begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which actually this year occurred last Sunday, November 27th. So we're right in the middle of the first week of Advent, which is also the topic of your new book which gives a sweet invitation for us to slow down and change our focus. Turning to your book, what was your inspiration to write this book about Advent? Um, first, thank you for that meditation and the beautiful quote from Paramahansa Yogananda. The inspiration for this book um, for me is is lifelong in terms of my own spiritual journey so i'll just try to talk about a couple of pieces of it um you know i grew up in a non-religious non-spiritual family um as a child who came in with a great spiritual yearning and of course that was such a blessing um and i i I know more about that now, of course, than I did when I was a child, but I had that yearning and, um, you know, like most families in America, you know, we celebrated Christmas um, and I had this feeling, you know, about it, <laughs> that it was really a magical time. But if you're, if you don't have that religious or spiritual training, you know, it becomes a, um, you know, a secular um, observation and, you know, kids get diverted into thinking about what they're going to get. And, um, you know, my parents had a friend who was a uh, Catholic who um, would take me to the Christmas mass. And um, it was just so inspiring to me, you know, the majesty of it. And so I felt always there was this um, presence at this time of the year, there was this spirit that pervaded it, but um, I didn't quite know, you know, what it meant or how to find it, but I looked forward to that um, occasion of being able to attend the Mass. And then in my adult life, you know, for many years, even though I wasn't uh, 
uh, Christian, I would go to, um, especially the midnight mass, um, mm -hmm. to experience, you know, that holy feeling of this time of the year. And then when I met my spiritual teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, and I was introduced to the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, and our first assignment is always, you know, read the autobiography of the yogi. And when I read Autobiography of a Yogi, I, the door opened, you know, because it, it, he really, in that book, you know, ties together what the deep mystical teaching is about the presence of God in the world and how um, the Christ consciousness, you know, is that, is that reality that is accessible to all, regardless of your um, religious or spiritual uh, orientation. And so reading Autobiography of a Yogi really inspired me to look deeply into, you know, what was that feeling that I had, that kind of holy feeling that wasn't satisfied by presence, you know, even as a child. It was only satisfied, I will say, by presence, <laughs> learning how <laughs> to be um, present. And uh, so that, you know, carried on into my um, adult life and, and into today. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Yes, yes. In the uh, introduction of your book, you write spiritual practices imbued with symbols from the Christian tradition of Advent can be luminous tools to guide us through the dark days and nights of winter. I love that luminous tools. I love that idea of luminosity. So would you explain a bit more about what Advent is for listeners who may not be familiar with it? Well, Advent is the, the time, just simply it's the time before Christmas um, in which there is a spiritual practice of awaiting the coming of the Christ. And so if you are a meditator, if you're a yogi, um, it's a time for a deeper sadhana. It's a time for inner reflection, um, for the coming of, as Yogananda said, that Christ within you, awareness of the Christ within you. And he, um, you know, when he came here to America, of course, he, he spoke to many Christians and he brought this mystical awareness alive, you know, to those whose path it was, you know, to those whose destiny it was to hear that and to experience that. And so he, he taught that at Christmas, you know, there should be this balance between, you know, the festivities, the, you know, the, the joyous holidays that we have with food and feasting and gifts with family and friends, but balanced out with a spiritual, um, focus and approach to this holy day and, and you know what does it really mean mm -hmm. and he you know talked about many of the symbols of Christmas whether it was the tree or gifts um, you know the the manger of your consciousness you know so he he provided these tools to to look at the symbols as a way of entering into what the mystical meaning is of this holy day and um you know i have really appreciated the work of joseph campbell um you know understanding you know myth of course you know not as something that is fanciful and untrue but myth really as it's 
the symbolic value of being able to speak to something that is archetypal, that, that provides a doorway for us. <clears throat> and that's what I meant about um, luminous, you know, not that the symbols in a sense are luminous in and of themselves, but because they provide an opening to an awareness um, beyond the physical to a spiritual awareness, that's what makes them luminous. And in, in the book, I quote Joseph Campbell, where he said, the divine manifestation is ubiquitous, <laughs> which I love. It's, you know, everywhere. Only our eyes are not open to it. The symbol opens our eyes. Mm. And so, you know, we have all these symbols of the holy days, you know, whether it's a candle, whether it's the manger, a manger, um, you know, the star, all, all the things that are there in the Christmas story. And they can be, you know, simply a decoration on your shelf, or they can be seen um, as luminous doorways into what is the deeper meaning? What is the significance um, of this story as a universal human story of how the Christ of God, the conscious awareness of the reality of the truth of our being, how is that birthed? You know, how is it awakened uh, in us? Mm -hmm. I hope I answered your question. Oh, you did. You, you more than did. Yes, absolutely. Because of course, you know, as we are speaking, we're moving into the darkest time of the year where in a few weeks we'll be at the, at the winter um, solstice, uh, which is the darkest, you know, time of the year. And I think that was perhaps why I was so struck with your, you know, your term of luminosity, which you've just beautifully explained. The other thing I wanted to, to touch on is obviously this is the yoga hour and we are in a yoga tradition. And this is, these are symbols that have been drawn from the Christian tradition. And I, I was struck by this pa passage that you wrote, absolute reality expresses in the world's religion and spiritual traditions. And you talk about, um, you encourage us to use respect and humility when exploring the practices of a religion or a spiritual tradition, which is different from our own. Um, and you also talk about how exploring a spiritual tradition outside of our own can support us on our own spiritual journey. So would you say a bit more about that? Well, you know, looking um, through the experiencing the symbols and practices from various religious traditions, if we come with an attitude of humility and respect and not knowing and openness, you know, God is present in all of it. So, you know, it can always be a doorway for us. And those who practice yoga, of course, often encounter symbols and stories from the Hindu tradition and um, from Vedic teachings that Hinduism is drawn from. And um, there it's the same thing. You know, many who are coming to yoga um, don't have knowledge of Hinduism. You know, they learn, you know, as they go, learn, you know, from the Indian philosophy of yoga. Um, but there needs to be a respect for the tradition, you know, that these are deep, um, meaningful, mystical, uh, symbols that have power and the same is true in every religion it's true in Judaism you know I think today is the first day of um, Hanukkah okay. as well and so you know people will be lighting the menorah and you know what is that story that is represented by that kindling of light and how do we you know 
uh, approach it with uh, respect. So with regard to Christianity, you know, the same um, deep mystical truth is there in that tradition. And one of the things I found, you know, with this book and putting out this teaching is that not only are there some who are coming to it as something that was unknown to them, you know, they were introduced to the secular holiday, if you will, quote unquote, secular holiday of Christmas. And, you know, I find that's practiced by many, many people in the U.S., um, who are not Christians, whether they're Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu, you know, they have the tree, they have the festivities, you know, it's just like part of the culture, um, but it is not seen, you know, necessarily for them as a religious holiday. Okay. So in the same way that, you know, if you're a yogi and you have, a, you know, an ohm symbol on your shawl, um, rather than have it simply as a material decoration um, to approach it with respect. What is the symbol and, you know, what does it mean and how is it held? And so the same thing is true of Christianity. So I found that, you know, there were many people celebrating Christmas who had no idea of the spiritual practices that go along with it. Only the, you know, secular ones of gift buying and party making. Um, <laughs> And then there were those who had training early on in Christianity, but in in their path, you know, left their uh, religious tradition that they were raised in. Um, and many of those people never learned about the mystical teachings of their own tradition. Right. And so they, you know, kind of stay away from going to church or mass because they have some negative connotation there or just not understanding it so this also i think for those who are practicing yoga and have become meditators and who are looking into the deeper meaning um, of life itself can find healing you know in their own christian tradition um, by bringing that attitude of respect and and receptivity that's my prayer anyway well, I know it's one of the things I've always really appreciated about the teachings at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, the Sunday services. There's just such a, those are two really good words, just such a respect and humility, you know, of approaching and including all religious traditions and finding them all, you know, valid and all with meaning and, and depth and richness. Um, I wanted to come back to the this idea of Christ consciousness, which we touched on in the quote that I read at the beginning and there was another quote from Paramahansa Yogananda in your introduction in which uh, he wrote, it is of utmost importance to all people, whatever their religion, that they experience within themselves the birth, quote unquote, the birth of the universal Christ. It is of the utmost importance to all people, whatever their religion, that they experience within themselves the birth of the universal Christ. What is this universal Christ consciousness from the perspective of yoga? How does this fit into the yoga teachings and the yoga map? Well, the universal Christ consciousness is the reality of God, um, the intelligence of God, the, the omnipresence of God, you know, throughout all uh, creation. So it is within everyone, this universal 
Christ. Um, I was mentioning in the beginning that, you know, Paramahansaji's autobiography of a yogi is what opened the door for me to understanding this truth as it has been revealed in Christianity, as well as in Hinduism and, you know, other religions. And so just for example, in the autobiography of a yogi, he has a a chapter, um, you know, where he has a samadhi experience through the grace of his guru, Sri Yukteswar, and it's called an experience in cosmic consciousness. And in the footnotes, he explains about Christ consciousness. Um, and I will say, you know, when you read this book, you must read the footnotes because much of this interfaith, interreligious, um, East meets West, uh, explanation is in the footnotes. <laughs> so here in the autobiography of a yogi, um, he he gives many quotes from the Christian uh, scriptures, you know, like no man has seen God at any time. Oh, the only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So, you know, um, the revelation of the Christ consciousness that was what came through uh, Jesus. Um, so Paramahansaji explains, he says, these biblical words refer to the threefold nature of God as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or our Satat Om in the Hindu scriptures. God the Father is the absolute, unmanifested, existing beyond vibratory creation. God the Son is the Christ consciousness, Brahma, or Kutasta Chaitanya, meaning this unchanging consciousness of the reality of God that is the, the summit, um, existing within vibratory creation. So it's the same as that meaning of Emmanuel, God with us, that is the Christ consciousness, the, the, the I am, you know, unchanging I am awareness. This Christ, it, this Christ consciousness is the only begotten or sole reflection of the uncreated infinite. The outward manifestation of the omnipresent Christ consciousness, its witness is Om, the Holy, the Word or Holy Ghost, indivisible divine power, the only doer, the sole causative and activating force that upholds all creation through vibration. And then he goes on to explain about how Om. You know this vibratory power of God, this manifesting uh, energy is uh, heard in meditation, um, bringing the devotee into communion. You know with the Christ consciousness. So, yeah, that's what that's what took me on this ride. <laughs> <laughs> so that was beautiful, and really, um, I'll have to go back to the autobiography and reread that section because it sounds very rich. Um, I did want to ask, because obviously this this time, this Christmas time, is about the birth of Jesus. So obviously, if we're looking at this as a as a potential for us, and I think the quote at the beginning, Yogananda was talking about um, uh, awakening, um, well, I'll just say again, this quote that you wrote about it, it is of utmost importance to all people whatever their religion, that they experience within themselves the birth of the universal Christ. So really, that's what your book is about, 
about the the Advent book is about its, its reflections and practices that are set up to go along with the days of Advent. So there's one for each day, just one or two pages um, with you know reading um, and then uh, some practices and reflections, questions to journal about. Um, did you have anything else you want to say about just the the tie-in with what you're talking about of the universal Christ with this time of the birth of Jesus? Uh, yes, and but first, there's something else I want to say that has to do with the first question you asked, which was like, you know, what inspired this book for me? And so that's part of it, this practice during this time, um, because after I... Um, became aware of this deeper mystical teaching and, you know, was uh, practicing Kriya Yoga, I really wanted to bring that awareness into a daily practice in this season of Advent. And I learned, you know, in the Christian tradition that there are several, you know, people write Advent guides, you know, for, for this time, you know, so this wasn't a new thing, you know, to write a, a daily guide for Advent. And so I, I purchased them through time. Um, and they really did help me have a more prayerful attitude um, towards Advent. But because I uh, have a pluralistic um, awareness about religion, one that was solely confined to Christian scripture, didn't satisfy my heart and my mind. And so, you know, there's a, there's a teaching that, you know, when you want something, often it's your Dharma to bring it forth. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I began teaching about uh, Advent uh, really early on in um, my ministry and would lead retreats and so on and so forth. So this, this book is a kind of a culmination of, that but it started with a desire that I had for um you know having a spiritual focus to this time and having the tools as a yogi that would help me have a more universal focus you know inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda um so now take me back to your question, which was about, I think, about the birth. Yes, about the birth of Jesus, the symbolism of that, you know, and, and how that relates to this idea of this birth of the Christ consciousness within us. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much richness in the story, you know, of the birth, of the journey of the birth that, you know, day by day, you know, we go into in the book. But, um, you know, there's a teaching in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, from Lord Krishna, who says, you know, whenever um, there is a, whenever Dharma, the, the light of truth in the world um, is in decline and, you know, a Dharma, you know, the way of darkness and lack of understanding is on the rise. I manifest myself from time to time. So, you know, in a sense, Jesus is seen as an avatar in that way, you know, one who brings forth the Dharma. And, you know, he, of course, is a real person, um, a real um, avatar, you know, an inspired, enlightened being who brought forth the light of truth, the light of the cosmic Christ. And there's a beautiful um, 
quote in in the book from a father Richard Rohr, who I deeply respect, and you know, it's something like he says, you know, yes, the Jesus, there is Jesus, and and Christ is not his last name. You know that the the Christ is that cosmic um, consciousness, that the awareness of God, you know, pervading the world. So, but Jesus was a fully awakened being, and so when he said, "I and my Father are one," you know, he was speaking, you know, what taught Tomasi, you know, that thou art, you know, that this reality we are one with that you know reality mm-hmm. um, yeah, so beautiful. yes that birth has to take place in in all of us and i want to say one other thing about you know of course in the northern hemisphere you know it's not true in other parts of the world but advent this time of the year in december occurs in the darkness of winter right. um <clears throat> and there's a natural feeling of introspection and sometimes inner darkness even mm-hmm. you know I spoke to a student yesterday who said you know my practice feel I, I feel like I'm I can't find that light mm-hmm. you know um, I can't find the devotion I can't find the joy and it's natural it occurs you know uh, and it's predictable every year at this time with that switch you know we begin to feel something is not quite right. (laughs) Um, And there's a longing, a yearning for a deeper connection. And then if you only are celebrating the holidays on the surface, it's kind of a way of trying to cover up that feeling Mm -hmm. instead of going into it like mining and then coming up with the gold. Right, right. I think that's just been a beautiful um, illustration of the kind of insight that the book provides, you know, that we can look more deeply into so many things. You were just talking about the symbolism of the birth, but you go through so many different, the symbolism of the so many different um, things that are so enriching to then look at them with, with new eyes. So I'll take a moment here just as a reminder for listeners. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the Yoga Hour. Today I'm here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, the author of the book we're discussing today, Path of Wonder, A Meditator's Guide to Advent. Yogacharya O'Brien is the founder and spiritual director of this show, and also uh, she's a teacher in the tradition of yoga. You can find out more about her at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. O'Brien is B-R-I-A-N, ellengraceobrien.com. You can also find details about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at csecenter.org. We will be posting these links on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. Yogacharya, each week you talk about in the book about a theme, and I found the second week's theme of when where divine love enters, especially inspiring. I'm going to read a little bit here from uh, page 30 of the book, because um, I, I just love this part. Great inspiration from the Christmas story is that against all odds, the miracle of the birth occurs. Despite the implausibility of its beginning, despite the misgivings and frailties of the human beings involved, 
Despite the harried circumstances, the miraculous birth occurs and the Christ child reveals divine love. A child whose very being declares, God is with us, Emmanuel. This birth signifies the awakened spiritual consciousness that knows, that realizes God is with us. God is our life. The advent of Christ consciousness is the revelation of conscious oneness. The reason I want to read that is that it just seems so hopeful to me, this whole story, that despite all these odds, all of these, these difficulties that you mentioned, the miraculous birth occurs. Again, in this time of darkness, I love that hope that's that's embedded in that story. Would you like to say more about that? Well, um, thank you. Uh, you know, and when when we look at some of the elements of the story, we can see, um, you know, teachings about our own spiritual journey. And, um, you know, so one of the common elements of the story that people are familiar with is, for example, there's no room at the inn. <laughs> there's no room at the inn. And so one of the ways to explore that symbol is to see the inn as representing the, the ordinary mind, the, the ordinary waking state in which thoughts, um, pervade the mental field and cloud awareness, thoughts, you know, sense, impression, to-do lists, memories, um, <laughs> so that there's no room for the light of the awareness of the indwelling Christ to be born, to arise in us. So, um, you know, it's just perfect in the story. So here you have the, the birth that wants to happen, the coming of the cosmic Christ within our own conscious awareness, but there's no room at the inn. Right. And um, that, so if you think of that inn as, you know, the, um, the ordinary waking state that's fragmented, that's full all the time. All the rooms are full. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the inn. Um, so I certainly can relate to that in my own <laughs> in right? my own mind, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, to me, what has been, you know, behind my motivation for my own practice is how do I not um, spend this whole season in the inn? Um, you know, like in the mall, in, you know, online um doing 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 um and sometimes you know people we we want to do that because there's a fear of the darkness there's a fear of the unknown and so you know a fear of that feeling of something not exactly right, right. <laughs> and um and so there's a we, you know, we want to distract ourselves and avoid that feeling. But that feeling is the call of God in us for a deeper experience. So, um, you know, this practice says don't, don't run from it. Don't cover it up. Use it. Right. Right. Absolutely. You write about the sort of inherent healing potential and wholeness. 
and you write divine love finds its way into our lives in the places where we are open and vulnerable. Would you say more about the healing power of divine love in the part of our life or the part of ourselves that we reject? Well, I think it's connected to what I just said about the call that we have. And sometimes that call comes as a kind of discomfort um, you know, and it can come through any doorway, you know, it can be a pain in the body. It can be a difficulty in relationship. Um, and we, we want to, you know, reject that or reject some feeling that we have or some part of ourselves, but it's often that vulnerable place is often the place then, you know, where, that higher awareness can come in to bring healing, you know, to take us back to the experience of our own innate wholeness, you know, Christ in us, God in us, that brings forth inspiration, you know, that can heal and bless us. So if we, if we run from it by getting busier and busier, um, we, we miss that opportunity for healing. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can be a call. And I love it when I can meet that call with curiosity instead of instead of defensiveness or or, you know, like you said, running away, getting busy with other things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it takes it takes time. It takes both time and a context. And so, you know, for those of us who practice yoga, you know, my path is Kriya Yoga, we have a structure for our practice. We have sadhana, we have, you know, inspiration of scripture, we have, you know, practices that we do every day. So, you know, it gives us a context. If you're, if you're looking at exploring this season and its deepest riches, it's helpful to have a context and that's what I hope is provided with this book, you know, a context for reflection so that, you know, you have the feeling and it's not quite enough to just sit with your feeling. Um, it's helpful if you have some kind of roadmap map that can help you um, explore it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things you, one of the practices in the book that you talk about, and I think perhaps we've alluded to it, to it, but I wanted to address it more directly, is the practice of silence. And in this time, what that can bring us in, in terms of the ability to listen to that still small voice within. Um, would you like to talk about that practice of silence? It, it seems this is such a busy time. Um, as you said, you know, there's no room at the end and we're running around doing all of these things. How can we fit this in a little bit in our life to support us in our spiritual journey? Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is part of having a context, you know, having it as it were, you know, an Advent sadhana where you say, you know, this is a holy season. And then you set up, you make a commitment to certain practices. You know, if you're, if you're a yogi, you, you should already have a daily meditation practice. And, um, and this is really a practice of, you know, 
study or reflection, you know, each day. Um, and it's simple, really. It's just, you know, uh, a reading for the days so, and each day has, you know, suggested practices or a focus of awareness and then a weekly practice, you know, lighting a candle. And so you're just, you're just making space with these practices, you know, for your own um, time of reflection. And, you know, with regard to doing it, you know, it's just a matter of commitment. And, um, you know, if you look at, and that's what Yogananda was pointing to, you know, you look at all of the time and energy and resources that goes into making some kind of holiday celebration and the commitment that's there, you know, why not take a little bit of that, just a little bit of it and, you know, have a, a little bit of reflection uh, in there. No, oh, it's great. As I mentioned, there's a theme for each week. We've been talking about the theme of where divine love enters. The, the theme for the third week is new identity. And you relate the story of Mary when the angel Gabriel appears to her and calls her one who is highly favored where she humbly understands a new identity for herself. And one um, simple but significant practice you offer is to pay attention to the ways that we name ourselves throughout the day. Would you say a little bit more about that? Well, again, you know, when we look at the story, it's so um, inspiring because the angel, you know, this, which would represent um, inspired thought, um, you know, comes to her and calls forth her highest self, you know, one who is highly favored, one who is blessed among women. Um, and, you know, she doesn't get that, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is <laughs> shocking to her, but, you know, if you, if you put yourself, right, put yourself in that story and this this divine inspiration saying to you, oh, one who is highly favored, you know, one who is blessed among all people, um, you know, how do you put that on? How does that feel? And then, of course, in the story, um, in a sense, she, she names herself. So, you know, the angel doesn't come to her and say, hi, Mary, you know, <laughs> not her, you know, not her ordinary identity but this higher thought is you know you are someone who is supremely blessed and that is true for all of us and so this angel thought is breaking through calling her you know to birth this christ consciousness and so it, it has to be this elevated knowing of her of what she is as a divine being who's highly favored who's blessed among all people and she takes the route and she doesn't respond and say no i'm not that you know i'm i'm mary and i'm and i'm really in a pickle right now you know life is hard i'm having a hard time and you know you're not making it any easier for me you know she doesn't go that route she you know she renames herself and she says you know behold the handmaid of the lord and so it, it's beautiful. It's this, this naming thing is beautiful. So I thought, well, it's interesting to look at 
you know, this naming that goes on continually throughout the day, right? So we usually say to ourselves, oh, you um, clumsy one, (laughs) and you forgetful one, oh, you overweight one, you know, whatever we say to ourselves, you know, throughout the day, um, that is, is part of that, of the in, you know, of the lower consciousness, and how can we rename ourselves? I think that's so beautiful and such an important practice. Talk about the practice of ahimsa in our tradition of, of uh, harmlessness or kindness. And often the la- the very last person we turn that kindness and, and uh, harmlessness on is ourselves. And so to be aware of that internal dialogue of criticism that we have, like I said, internalized from who knows where, um, but to be aware of that and this this beautiful idea of new identity and, and Mary as this example and how she then renames herself. It, it is a beautiful part of the story. It is. And, you know, when we think of that, you know, litany of criticism that we pile upon ourselves, you know, daily, um, you know, that's the work of of Herod. That's that's the work of the of the ego that is you know trying to keep out the christ you know trying to um kill kill that consciousness <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the the fourth week of advent you write about awakening in this lifetime and i thought the quote at the beginning was really beautiful and inspiring i'm going to read this little quote the peace that we pray for in our world the love we hope for, the healing we yearn for, and the joy we welcome are natural expressions of spiritual awakening. The peace that we pray for in our world, the love we hope for, the healing we yearn for, and the joy we welcome are natural expressions of spiritual awakening. It's just, again, so beautiful. It has this sense of unfoldment um, to, to that quote, which feels to me like that's this is a season of unfoldment, right? Waiting and and uh, more will be revealed. Do you want to comment on that at all? Well, as as you read, I think in that opening quote from Parmansaji, he talked about how um, there's these prayers in the ethers you know, in the subtle field during this time. And we can tap into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the angels in the ethers are our own prayers, you know, of higher consciousness um, and the accessibility, you know, to bring that in. And so, you know, at the center, you know, one of the things we do annually is we have a, a long meditation um, in honor of the one that was um, started by Paramahansa Yogananda, he would say, you know, have your family gathering, but also take a longer time to meditate, to sit in the silence and to, um, in a sense, worship the Christ, the, the reality of God in and as you. And so we do that uh, every year at the center, it'll be on the 23rd of December, where we have an extended, you know, several hours of meditation. 
um, to bring that balance uh, into our lives. That's great that you that you mentioned that. There was a, a, a mantra that you talk about, and it's a simple one, fear not, <laughs> right? You write, fear is our usual instinctual reaction to anything unknown that threatens life as we know it. The Advent story is about a new spiritual identity destined to overturn the ego's control and bring about new life through a fundamental change in consciousness. This transformation is unsettling to the ego. And then you talk about the mantra, fear not. Would you say more about both the fear that arises when our ego becomes challenged by change and also how the use of this simple mantra, fear not, how that can help? Yeah, it's a beautiful mantra. And of course, this was the words of the angel, you know, um, of the angel of inspiration, you know, fear not, um, God is with you. And um, you know, when we open ourselves to inspiration, divine inspiration, we're also opening ourselves to profound change, you know, the change that is transformation uh, in our life. And the ego fears that, you know, wants to hold on to the old beliefs and patterns, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about our life. And, you know, this December, this December holidays, you know, of course, correspond to the new year. And so, you know, we, we, we tend to feel a little bit of anticipation about, you know, as a good, kind of a natural life review, you know, uh, how do I want to be living in this new year that's coming forth? And uh, so sometimes we feel that we know that we need to make changes and um, but we we don't want to make them or we're afraid of making them. We don't know exactly what they are. And so Advent really corresponds with that also that, you know, that not only the coming of this new awareness, but what the natural pull that we feel, you know, when there's a new year on our horizon, um, it's an arbitrary thing, but we do feel it. Right. Yes, we definitely do. Yeah, I, I loved how you mentioned that. So these angels appear to people in these biblical stories. And, you know, is anybody ever like excited or thrilled when they come? No, everyone's always, it's always afraid. You know, it's like, right. So the first thing the angel always says is, fear not. Mm. That's great. Mm. Well, unbelievably, we've already come to um, the close of the show. There are so many rich teachings in the book about Advent and our spiritual journey and how these uh, symbols of Advent in a, in a time for this practice, we can um, learn to appreciate it more deeply. Um, I wish we could, we could keep talking, but uh, I wanted to ask you one last question in closing. Are there any words of encouragement or inspiration that you'd like to leave with our listeners? I think we have the opportunity in this time, you know, to experience our own innate wholeness and the fullness that goes along with that. Um, a materialistic 
a recognition of holidays, whether it's, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or the new year, um, always leaves us feeling that there could be more, you know, we could have done more. Um, somehow the things that we do for others or the things that we prepare can seem like just not enough. <laughs> and we can seem like not enough. You know, we didn't love enough. We didn't say enough. We didn't bring enough. Um, but this spiritual practice can turn that around so that we know how to come from our own wholeness, from our own fullness, and we bring that. Um, and that really transforms the holidays. You know, when we think that we're coming, you know, we're going to be with our family, with our friends, and we're leading with wholeness, with presence. And that's really what everybody wants, you know, and I made that little joke in the beginning, but it's true, you know, it's not so much that people want presence, they want presence, that's what we all want. And we have the capacity to bring that love and to bring that peace uh, with us into this time. Mm, that's just such a beautiful, beautiful way to conclude. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of The Yoga Hour. My guest today has been Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, author of the book we've been discussing today, Path of Wonder, A Meditator's Guide to Advent. Yogacharya O'Brien is also the founder and spiritual director of this show. Yes, go ahead. Um, I just, I wanted to... Um because it's timely right now going on right now i want to let um, people know that they can get this book on amazon mm -hmm. and it's available as a kindle if you want to start the practice right away um or you know of course amazon it gets shipped to you right away too i think they're getting books from the astral realms <laughs> delivered really quickly but anyway it is available um there um and also I wanted to let people know that there is a new year retreat that I'll be leading at the center um, that begins the 29th of December, a Kriya Yoga New Year retreat. So I wanted to bring those two things in there. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien at two websites, her author website, ellengraceobrien.com and also csecenter.org. That's the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment's website where you can sign up for the New Year's retreat that Yogacharya mentioned. I do highly recommend the book. I think it will add a lot to your practice if you uh, really allow yourself to look a little, a little bit more deeply into this idea of Advent, even if it may be an unfamiliar one to you. Thank you so much, Yogacharya O'Brien, for joining me today on the show. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo, and thanks to the Yoga Hour team. I know um, that there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes um, to bring forth um, these teachings uh, so freely in the universe. So thank you for your commitment, the commitment of the team, and my thanks to all the subscribers to Yoga Hour um, who are bringing, you know, kindling that light uh, in the world. So, um. <laughs> For listeners, we hope you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. 
Currently, we have daily online meditation in the mornings at 6.30 a.m., the afternoons at 4 p.m., and Monday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Those are all Pacific times. We also offer a Sunday satsang. Satsang means a gathering of truth seekers that occurs at 10 a.m. each Sunday. You can also, there's a couple of uh, interesting opportunities coming up. December 4th, there's an opportunity to study the Bhagavad Gita with Swami Bodhananda. Um, that's at from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. again on December 4th. So that's coming up in just a few days. And then uh, this, in just a few days from now, uh, this Saturday, December 3rd, there's an on-site at CSE Day of Walking Meditation with Reverend Vivica Murray. Um, also, December 20th, there will be a meditation retreat day for the winter solstice with Acharya Sundari Jensen, also on site at CSE. You can find out about the many classes and events, many beyond the ones I mentioned here, going to the website at csecenter.org. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when I will be joined by Deborah Eden Tull, founder of Mindful Living Revolution. She is a Zen meditation and engaged Dharma teacher. We will be discussing her book, new book, Luminous Darkness, an engaged Buddhist approach to embracing the unknown. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation in, center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, you can uh, subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, and my guest today, Yogacharya Alan Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes, Mickey Coronado, and Christine Sote. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.